What's up, guys? It's your boy, Johnny Bananas, and I'll be covering all the treachery, deceit, backstabbing, and murder from season two of The Traders U.S. on my podcast, Death, Taxes, and Bananas. I'll be joined all season by my fellow castmates to swap stories, provide all the behind-the-scenes antics, and sordid details from filming. So sally forth and join me for season two of The Traders every Saturday on the Ringer Reality TV podcast feed. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. What's up, real ones? What's popping? <laughs> Did you take my, you take my what's popping? Thursday, real ones. All right, Logan Murdoch here, Roger Bell there. Roger, mm. man, mm. I don't even know where to start here. I just, I, I'm at a loss for words. First of all, shout out to the Bell household for all the milestones that are happening you, right now. If you want to see, go on Roger's story on his Instagram, which is verified, um, mm. and check out what's going on over there in the Bell household. Really happy for everyone involved Thank there. Thank you. When we got off, I think it like, I think it was Tuesday. I don't know the days, but I get a text. I'm in the movies. I'm watching American fiction, right? Which is a great movie. You guys should just go watch that. I don't know if you've picked it yet. It was really good. Yeah, it's on the list. I got a little matinee vibe. I was like, you know what, man? I kind of got a little day off. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody, ain't nothing happening today. I got to go to no games. I take a little matinee. So I put my phone on do not disturb. And when I get out of that thing, all I see is a text from Raja that says, my guy, Griff. Now, I immediately uh, Google search um, New Orleans uh, because <laughs> usually when usually when uh, what Roger says Griff, it, it has to do with with Griffin with Griff. My other guy, Orleans, Griff. Your, My uh, other your, guy your, Griff. That's that's your always. And so I Google. I'm like, it doesn't happen in New Orleans. Why would they fire Griff? Like that would that doesn't make any sense. And then. I look, I'm still discombobulated being in the dark for two hours. And then I look and then I see the news that Adrian Griffin has been relieved of his duties um, from the uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks after helping post a the second best record in the Eastern Conference. We're going to dive into all of this with Rajat. 
what were you all your reaction? What were all your feels? How did you feel uh, when you saw the news? And what does it say about a team midseason doing this? That's really it's really complicated. Um, it's really complicated. And I had a lot of different a lot of different emotions. I mean, I'm not great friends with Adrian Griffin, but I played with him. I spent a year with him in Dallas. I know what he's about. I know what he had to do to make the league. I know what he put stock in. And I tend to think that all of the stuff that he talks about put stock in and is about our championship DNA type of things. I'm not in that locker room though. And I don't know, you know, how he manages, how he creates culture, like what he's doing. And so in fairness, you know, I, I don't know whether he mismanaged that situation. So to your, to your question about how did I feel? One, I felt bad for Griff. I mean, I know how long he's worked and and been a you know a, a, an integral member of different staffs, and how long he's waited for the opportunity to sit in that chair. I felt awful that it that it ended like that at this point in the season, um, and it was it was just not a, a great look. Uh, on the other hand, I wasn't totally surprised. I've been on this podcast before, and I've said something's not right. Like that Terry Stotts situation at the beginning of the season. I don't know why it wasn't a bigger story than it was. That speaks to something being very, very wrong in in a situation with the new head coach. What is wrong? I don't know. I'm not there. But something's not right. I had mixed emotions about the job itself. I'm, I'm on one hand, I'm telling you from Milwaukee's perspective, that's not a great hire. I don't care how impressive Griff is. That's not a great hire. His The point where he's at in his coaching career does not sync up or match with the point that you are at in your championship window with Giannis, Dame, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Chris Middleton. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense. And on the flip side of it, for Griff, that's not a great job to take for where you are (laughs) as a coach trying to get in that chair for your first job. But I understand why you have to take it. Like a lot of times, and this is complicated. Coaches, young coaches don't have the luxury of, of picking a, 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 a situation that is set up, you know, for, for, for success. Now you, you'd say like, yeah, well, he is set up for success. He's got Giannis, he's got Dame, he's got all of these pieces, but with that comes a ton of pressure that for a first time head coach might not, might not lend itself to, to be in the most successful environment to learn on the fly. And so, I mean, I gave you a really convoluted and complicated answer because it was, you know, I, I ran the gamut of emotions when I saw that. I, 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 re- I really did. Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. The first thing that you said was, or one of the first things that you said was, um, he was not the right coach for that particular job. And I think I want to give even more context to what you just said, right? Like Griff, no matter what, probably would have been better suited for a younger and up and coming roster because I don't think what people realize with, um, first year head coaches um, is they don't know what they don't know. Right. And then when you, and then when you have all the pressure of a Giannis and a Dame that really, you know, that can get to you for any mm-hmm. coach. And um, I want to tell, I want, I want to tell the timeline of events as I know it. And we can, then we can go from there. So you brought up Terry Stotts. That was that's that's where this all starts. This that situation is where it all starts, right? Because um, started at a at a at a uh, practice or a shoot around, I believe, in Oklahoma City, where they Griff and uh, Terry Stotts gets into it. Um, everything that I've heard and has been reported is that 
um, Terry Stotts was talking to some players um, and Griff showed him up, like yelled at him. And then let's say for context, Terry Stotts is a guy that um, coach Damian Lillard, uh, usually when you have a young coach and he was hired before Damian Lillard got traded there. Uh, whenever you usually hire a young coach, you put an established person as their number two to be their eyes and ears. Very respected vet, Terry Stotts. Uh, uh, almost universally around the league. Right. So he gets hired. Then Dame comes. Griff feels like he has to look over his shoulder. Right. Um, and that's very nuanced. You could say that, hey, man, you probably should have a bit more. If they hired you to be the top guy, you should have a bit more trust in the team that hired you, right? Like you should have that, right? So that begins this string of paranoia on Griff's uh, end. And from the moment that Terry Stotts is let or quits, let go, however you want to put it, Griff is in a position where he needs a, he needs a lead assistant and the team is trying to get a lead assistant. One of those lead assistants that they're trying to pursue is Doc Rivers. Um, the, Bucks uh, bet with Doc Rivers in Vegas during the in-season tournament um, at to be his to be the lead assistant. Griff was like, no. And then he finally gets his own guy to be the lead assistant. Griff does. And then you put uh, Doc Rivers in this mentorship role unpaid. It's kind of weird because he's also working at ESPN as this is happening. And it's very you know, messy. And then um, he loses the locker room, right? Griff loses the locker room. The same guys, Giannis, who av- advocated for him to come um, in the first place, he loses Giannis. He loses the rest of the locker room. And then he gets fired. As it's happening, Doc Rivers is already in line to take the job. So I, that's the timeline as, as I know it. And it's interesting because it's really, it, you know this, Roger. It's really, really nuanced in this. This business can be a dirty business, right? So I do see why Griff is looking over his shoulder and wants his own guy as a number one. I also see from a team perspective, it's like, yo, you are a young coach. You need help from an established person. It's just, it's an overall messy situation. You, you hit the nail on the head. Griff, and I hope he gets another opportunity. You never can tell in this league. But you went wrong when you hired a dude who you had to have a veteran assistant with for a team that is trying to win a championship right now. That, that I mean, I don't that that's not the type of coach that 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 roster needed at that point. So with all of those moving parts and all of that, you know, all of that kind of chaos in terms of leadership, I mean, that creates it creates those kind of voids where you could get paranoid and you could start looking right. over your shoulder. Like, I mean, it was created. Yeah. How do you navigate through that? Right. Cause like when, as a young coach or even a coach in general, like when you're looking over your shoulder and the way that Griff seemed to be looking over his shoulder. And also like, I'm not, I, I'm trying to stay down the middle here because I do see what, where I do see where Griff Griff messed up. I do see where the team didn't really give him, put him in a, a young coach in a position to where he can't really coach the team. And at once he loses the locker room, it's over. It is over. No matter what the record is. I mean, you've seen that with, um, you've seen that in Cleveland. Doesn't matter what the record is necessarily. You, if you lose the locker room, it is over with. So now Doc Rivers is in the fold. How does he coach this team on the fly? 
and try to gain trust and try to gain all these things. I mean, Doc Rivers is is a beloved figure in the league from yep. players, coaches, front office people alike. Um, he's also a guy that has struggled in the postseason, which is what this team needs to not do. Um, they can't have another collapse in the way that Doc Rivers has had collapses. How do they remedy this on the fly going into the all-star break, the Milwaukee Bucks? I mean, I've never been tasked with something like this, but from my personal experience with with um, a midseason change, you know, with with I've, I've talked about it at length with Jerry Sloan to Tyrone Corbin, um, and my other experience with a head coach change would have been Mike D'Antoni to Terry Porter. The one consistent um, thread in what they did that slightly turned people off that were already there was they were kind of heavy handed. So like it was more change than less. And so I would just say, you asked me about doc, I would think less is more, if that makes sense. You fire the whole staff. Like, what do you do though? Like the whole, no, 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 no. We just less is more in terms of let's backtrack for a second. I'm sorry, but this is the only way my brain will process this. We talked about Adrian Griffin and when we were kind of poking around at it early, the Terry Stotts thing happened. And I, I said, Hey, look, what I hope he's not in there doing is trying to change a bunch of stuff, trying to change the verbiage that they might use for pistol. Like we called it 21 and you know, Ter- Terry Porter insisted on calling a pistol. And we're like, we've called it 21 for three years. Like, why do we have to change? Like if you're in there just doing things for the sake of doing it um, with a team that has achieved as much as that team has in recent past, it'll start to wear on people. I don't know that Griff was or wasn't, but when when you come in now as Doc Rivers, takes take don't do that. Come in with less is more approach. Hey, what are we doing that works, guys? What do we like? Be very collaborative. Hey, what do we like? What do we don't? What do we not like? Let's let's dig into this as a staff. Let's get the analytics guys to run the numbers. Let's get some tape. Let me sit down and see what parts of what we're doing are good, like where the bones are solid and where you know these things are kind of rotted and. If you can come in there and do that and not try to reinvent the wheel as a coach and say, all right, guys, we're starting from, you know, we're going to start from the ground up and we're going to reframe this house and we're going to start like a training camp again. Here's my philosophy. That's not going to work. That ain't it. That ain't it. But that's why Doc's perfect for this job, I think, right now on the fly, because he's got that Ty Lu type. I mean, Ty Lu was kind of brought up under Doc, right? Like they've got right. this great ability. He's a cool ass cat. Doc Rivers is so cool, man. Like, what do you see him? He's the, the coolest a fan. For whatever you want to say about him as a coach, um, he is a cool-ass cat who can relate. And part of this is, I talk about it all the time, it's relationships. So a long-winded answer to your short question, come in with the less is more approach. We're going to be very collaborative. I'm not trying to reinvent anything that's happened here. We're going to look at the defense. We're going to play to the numbers if they suggest that you know, what we were doing under Bud was the more productive way to defend. And we're going to go back to doing that. Like, it's not going to yeah. be, hey, this is my philosophy. So we got to do that. I'm going to play to you guys' strengths. I'm going to put you guys in the best positions to be successful. And then I'm going to get the fuck out of the way. It's just, it's interesting. You brought up Bud and he probably looking the best out of all of this, right? Like <laughs> I was right here. I did good. I was here. Why, what the fuck? Like you guys did all this to pay three coaches. Well, what I can't, what I, yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought that was ridiculous. Yeah. I thought it was one of the most ridiculous fires, but I, I, I admittedly, I don't have any background on what his relationship was like, what, where him and Giannis were. You know what I mean? Like those things are important yeah. to a franchise too, but at face value in terms of 
like coaching and, and shit like that. That was, I mean, that was ridiculous. One of the other things that I thought about, right, is the power that a superstar player wields in this situation because the center of this all is Giannis, right? Who wanted a Griff, um, Adrian Griffin in uh, the fold. The, he is, he's going into a contract situation. He's in the last year of his deal going into this year. The Bucks, he has all the levers. So the Bucks have to do what Giannis says. Um, they sign Giannis shortly thereafter to a five year extension. And at that point, Griff has no leverage. He's kind of out to dry, right? Like he's once Giannis signed, it was, it was very tough for Griff because we basically got, we got what we really wanted, which is Giannis to sign. And once, and then once Giannis sours on uh, a guy, it's, it's over and he's fired. How does that like illustrate the power that the modern player has? And does the modern player need that much power like because like at the expense of one player it messes up the continuity because then you you fire a good coach like bud or you you part ways with a coach like bud then you get a coach that you i mean the bucks wanted nick nurse and Giannis was like no i don't want to play for dick nurse right who is probably a better coach on paper and probably better for this situation and now you're in a position where you have an inexperienced coach you have to go through all of this stuff just because of what your star player told you what is the balance that a team needs to have in that relationship? Balance balance is a great word because there has to be balance. Um, if your star has you in a position where to get him to resign, you have to acquiesce to the demands. Like that's a tough spot in today's NBA. It's a tough, it's a tough spot to watch Giannis walk out the door because you're saying, you know, we have a different vision than Giannis, at least for the head coaching, you know, position. And so I, I don't have a great answer for you in that, Logan. I, I would say that, and I've said before, I think it's very responsible for ownership and the executives in an organization to counsel or, or, or run things by your franchise player in a way that you can get his temperature on it, not in a way that he has to sign off on it before you can do it. Um, again, I use the word collaborative. Like this is, this is our thing while I own it and Logan might run it. The person out there really making the donuts is Giannis. So we're all in this together. Not going to try to big dog you, but at the same time, you know, my job is to make the money, write the checks and, and, and kind of stay out of the way. Logan's job is to have a vision for what pieces go together, what coaches can make it work and execute that under the constraints of the salary cap. Giannis, your job is to hoop. Do it at a really high level and trust that we have your best interest in mind. And if you don't have that type of relationship, um, it could be very difficult for for people to do their job in a responsible way. I heard yesterday that that Griff and I don't, I'm not reporting anything, so forgive me if this is wrong, but I heard that he interviewed like an exorbitant amount of time for that job. That says one thing to me. Somebody knew he wasn't the one for the job. Right. You got to interview 14 times for a job? Like, that's <laughs> crazy. So, yeah. and, and not because Griff's not a, a good young coach that will be a good coach, but because it just didn't align with where you were. And right. so if someone knew that and had to keep bringing him back for that many interviews... You know, I then I then do worry about like whether Giannis is controlling 
what's going on there too much. And, you know, Giannis is interesting because he doesn't project like LeBron does. Right. Like he's not out there wearing it like in the media and unabashedly telling you like, hey, bro, he's not doing that. Like, but he's he, definitely he, doing it. He's definitely doing it, though. Not, but not, not in the proverbial like I'm sending subtweets. But he's doing yeah, it. He's doing it, and it gets it gets messy. Look, I get it. Giannis might be a great businessman. LeBron is clearly a great businessman. Um, that doesn't mean that you're 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 great at running a basketball franchise. And quite frankly, just because someone sits in the seat of a person running a basketball franchise, we've got examples over the course of history. That don't mean you're good at that shit either. But the point is you've been hired to do it. We've had success here. You've been doing a good job. I've been handling my business. Me as an owner, I've proven to both of you that I'll spare no expense and I'll pull it. I'll sign off on anything that gets us closer to it. So let's all do our job and stay out of each other's lane to the best ability, you know, to our best ability. And I I think, I think they, there was a little overstep this time. What did you see? Cause like on paper, you look at the record for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's great. I mean, if you like Adrian Griffin, I don't think people realize was going to be the Eastern Conference All Stars coach if this if this stuck <laughs> right. Like, right? Like, like this no, wasn't a bad team. This wasn't a hey, bad bro, year. Right? Say like, dog, just let me coach the All Star game, man. Let me, let me get that All-Star on my resume, game, bro. Shit, the fuck, do this shit right? after the break. Right. So he went from like that to now being out of a job, right? But. What was the disconnect from the record that we see, Raja, to the actual play? Because even as the record was good, you were like on this program saying, nah, this ain't it. This is not it. Like, this defense is not it. This is there. And even when I saw them at the end season tournament, and I'll say this, I don't know if he, I don't know if Griff knew that they were, I, I know he did know. He knew that they were interviewing Doc at the, at the moment in Vegas, right? So, like, as you're in the end season tournament, you know that, like, this team, you guys are not on the same page. And that manifested with him just looking like a shell of a coach throughout that process in Vegas. Right. Just no, like he did not look like a man that had full control and comfort in that locker room. Right. But what was the disconnect that you saw from the record to the product on the floor? You know, it's funny. I wish I could go back now knowing what was, what happened go back and just watch Griff's body language in a way that I'm not tuned into on a night to night basis. Cause I'm watching the game. Sure. You know, like just have a camera in there in the huddle. I just want to, there are little things that I would look for, you know, as a former player, haven't been in those huddles, see who's tuned in, see who's, see who's like eyes are on. That's him my when favorite he's thing to do with summer league. That's my favorite thing to do with summer league to see who's locked yeah. in and who's not <laughs> just little shit. Like see if when he's talking to someone, they're like engaged through the, through the, through the end of the conversation, or if they were like walking away three quarters through it. Do you know what I mean? Like all of those things would speak to what his relationship was with guys. And I don't know, again, you're asking me questions and I want to be fair to our listener. I, I don't know what I guess was going on was they're really talented. You have two of the best players in the league. You're going to win basketball games. Your defense is, is really poor and the foundation of what they were when they were, you know, vying for championships and winning them was a defensive monster. Now, yes, you gave up Drew Holiday, which on paper might not look like a lot, but it's massive because he puts out fires everywhere. He's just a, a you know, a great defender. And you had other pieces that were extracted. So you were going to lose something defensively. You can't hang all of that on, on Griff, but I think what happened was they didn't love what he was talking about. And again, I'm drawing off of, my experience in Cleveland with David Blatt 
and a team that didn't necessarily believe in what David Blatt was saying. What that looked like was we still won games, not to the tune that we absolutely should have won games. We wound up going to the finals, but you could never really tell exactly how good David was or wasn't because people weren't giving it all that they had in a buy-in type of way. And that's what I think I saw with Milwaukee. Um, yeah, Logan. Yeah, they're still winning games. This isn't terrible. But if if you're around that on a day to day, you can see that people aren't bought in. I can watch the interactions between the coach, the players, the staff. You know, I can I can watch when a player walks away from David Blatt or Adrian Griffin. I'm watching Logan. He just got done in a conversation with Griff. I'm just watching him. I'm sitting over there and I'm like, where is he going now? Where is he going now? Yeah. Oh, he just walked up on Chris Middleton. What's that interaction look like? Oh, they're both kind of laughing and cutting eyes over at, oh, we got a problem. We have, we have a problem. I can't see that from where I sit right now. But that's what I believe happened. When you're at a game and you're tuned in, you could see so much shit. It's like, like in terms of what you just described, I, you're in a bag right now. And I'm like, no. yo, yeah, you could see this. Like, you can't see a lot of shit. On TV that you could see in the arena, unless you're like you're looking at one of those truck feeds and you just like they just have a a a, sure. a, a camera just fixated on the on the uh, on the on the sideline. But those those um those interactions are so are so like pure and, and things like that. And you, that's when you see the real minutia. But I'll tell you what, man, the juju was not great even in December. It just it just wasn't. And um. My question to you, like going up, if you're the Sixers right now or you're the Celtics right now, how are you feeling in the in the Eastern Conference now that you see this transitional period for one of your biggest rivals? Yeah, I, I, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I would be scared's not the great a, a great word, but I would be more concerned now than I was a week ago. I'd be more concerned now because I just I think that even if even if Doc and I think Doc is a very good coach. But even if, let's say, hypothetically, I was in one of those offices and I didn't think Doc knew what he was doing, you know, in the playoffs at all. Let's say that was my opinion on Doc. I I would still think because these dudes are going to be bought in to the breath of fresh air for them in the coaching seat, it's going to give them like it's going to give them a boost. There's going to be a reaction. They're going to start playing harder. I can't. I know that Doc is a good people person. I know that he is great with with uh, personalities. So in that space, I'm going to worry because I think Milwaukee will play better. You usually have that boost, right? When you have the coach that you want, you know what I mean? You usually have that, that, that boost. And it seems like this locker room like really wants Doc. Let's not get this twisted though. Cause you tell me Doc lost some three, one leads for sure. But tell me what the overall record of Doc's teams are. They're always successful. Like, they're, they're always in always, the hunt. Yeah. So like, we ain't going to sit here and act like, you know, I get, I just played hypothetics, but like, I'm not, but I don't believe that for one second. Now. Yeah. There've been some circumstances and stuff like that, but like his teams are all, are always good. Yeah. We'll see what happens, man. This is a, this is a, a fun, I'm, it's a fun wrinkle for content, you know? Oh, for sure. So let's, uh, <laughs> thank you. Milwaukee Bucks. Staff will have record label and my fucking crew. My man Griff, Hey, go to the beach. Again, get away from this bullshit. Dude, Go relax a little bit. Watch your son. You're to stay home. Yeah, and then, to stay and, home. Then, and then get back at it, though. Get right back at it. Let's go. I mean, take, take the rest of the year off. Figure it out. Browse the trade deadline's coming up. Hey, listen. It's a, stre- it's a stressful. It'll be a stressful time of year. We're going to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Get in on all the NBA buzzer beaters, ankle breakers, and tomahawk jams with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. For me tonight, I think we got Minnesota, Brooklyn. I'm going to take Anthony Edwards over on the points and the T-Wolves to cover. The app is easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays, find bets in the new Explorer tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel. Official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Your listening to real ones and i am jade did you know producer kai has the diet of a seven-year-old that boy has never eaten a salad and hates mac and cheese he's currently living off pop tarts and burgers with nothing but meat and buns His stomach is doing somersaults as we speak. And we are back. Like we said at the end of the first segment, the trade deadline is coming. It's on its way here. We're inching closer to it. Raja, you said you got a little shake, a little shiver when I even said the word trade deadline. Like you're not even playing anymore, and you're 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 kind of nervous for someone, maybe yourself. Do you think you're gonna get traded to like <laughs> Miami or something? Like, like do you, I don't know. Uh, what are, what is it? What is a, a player feeling at this moment who might be on the bubble to get yeah. traded or might not even know? Like, what what is the overall angst for a player during this time of year? I've had so many different experiences with the trade deadline. I've had years where there was not a chance I was yeah. getting traded. And if I had gotten traded, I would have been just so blindsided that, you know, I would have never have seen that coming. I've had years where I was like shivering in my boots, just expecting the worst. And I didn't get traded. I had years where, you know, that last year in Phoenix, 
I knew they didn't love me. And you know, you didn't love them. I didn't not, not the way I had loved our previous, you know, <laughs> regime. And so there was a possibility and that wound up happening. Um, it can just be a stressful, <laughs> it can just be a stressful time of year. And it, you know, because, because my world is kind of my family, I always bring things back to this. It, it's stressful for a player, but you know, when you're out there on the court, man, like that's always kind of been that safe haven, that place where you can go and stress relieve. Like that's cathartic. You just go out there and hoop, you know? And so it doesn't really manifest itself. At least it didn't for me in, in poor performances on the court. It was more outside of basketball and my relationships with my family and whether or not I had the same level of patience with people that I normally had. And, you know, like those type of things, that's where it starts to wear on you. And you start to feel the stress of a situation that ultimately you don't have any control over. So until that deadline passes, it can be like that. But as a pro, I mean, again, when you, when you come into the building and it's time to go to work, I mean, you got to work. Like people can say what they want to say about my, the end of Phoenix and, and even, even in Utah, like, but the reality is when I was there to work, when I got in the building, it was time to work. And we, and we worked accordingly. Like we, you know, we tried to win games and do whatever we could to do that. What is like, cause you've, I know your, your story when you were at the, you know, Lowe's hotel and in, in Santa Monica, you know, trying to go, you know, just soak up the sun and realize you're going back, going to Charlotte. What is the coldest trade? I was at the Wilshire. Like, you're at the Wilshire at that time. I thought you were at the Lowe's. I was no? at the Wilshire for that one. Yep. Wilshire. No, I was oh, at the Wilshire. Okay. Wilshire. Wilshire. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, ran out, that's, into the, that's, ran out, looked out, saying goodbye to all my teammates who were getting on the first bus. Like I'll see y'all in a bit. Boris is like, no, you won't. What? <laughs> I love how Boris just always just finds his way into this pod. He hasn't been on it two years, two, three, four Boris, years. My guy. And he finds his way on the pod. He is he is throwing his um his scarf to the other shoulder as we speak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> um but what was the coldest trade that you've been like, like even where you were like, damn, that was cold, that you might have been like near you have been we already know the ones you've been a part of, but at least you've just been near where you're like, tail. I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. We are in Dallas. Nope. Sorry. I have two, I have two stories. So it, do I, do cool. I have a minute? You got all the time, bro. We're, all Hey, right. this is January. Two stories. This was crazy. Two stories. They're both good ones. Um, Jerry Sloan has pull, grab, uh, huddled us up and said, one, two, three, good luck to the team. Right. To Phenomenal. which we were all like, what? the hell just happened everyone's standing there looking jerry didn't already exited the building i show up the next morning jerry has already had his press conference i'm there for treatment brian zettler and gary briggs are like yeah jerry just retired i'm like what wait what happened this it's 8 30 in the morning what happened so um that's happened the team you know continues i i don't know how long after that this was but we are at the wyndham anatole in dallas this is darren williams hometown we are going to play the Mavericks that night. It is always special when an NBA player gets to go home and put on in front of their home crowd and their family. Again, we are sitting in a makeshift training room in the hotel getting taped to go to shoot around. I am sitting on this little tiny like love seat next to Darren Williams, Gary Briggs, Brian Zettler, and Sports Center is on. And we are chilling, watching Sports Center. Why maybe it might have been CJ Miles or somebody was getting taped over there. And across the ticker on the bottom, not even like the main story. I guess we had missed that part of Sports Center, but across the ticker on the bottom, NBA trade. Darren Williams to Brooklyn 
for I forget who he was traded for, man. He was my young was fellow. Derek, Derek, Favors? Derek Favors and and yep. uh some picks. And, and, oh, no, yeah. No, was no. it Devin? Was it Devin? Was it Devin? Devin uh, Harris. Devin Harris. Devin Harris. Yeah. But so anyway, that goes across and it was like a movie because we both read it. We're looking at it. And we both looked forward for roughly one, 1,000 to 1,000. And then we both just like shot looks at each other like, what? And he looked at me and he, I don't remember verbatim what he said, but it was something like, yo, I got to go make a phone call. And he went and made a phone call. And that's how he found out that he had been traded from Utah. Now, the, the part that was cold, I mean, that was cold. But what really made it icy was as I was sitting in the training room, it could have been the next night because I don't remember if we had a back-to-back or not, but it was the next time we were at home. I was sitting on this like wooden platform, have my foot in like the silver bullet old hot tubs, like trying to get it warm. Ooh, damn, yeah. that's old school. Yeah, that's trying to get school. it warm. Go out and get a game. I'm late in my career. Kevin O'Connor comes in. And he looks at me and he says, <laughs> about the trade. I said something about Darren. He said, sometimes you get what you deserve. And he kept it walking. That's cold. I said, wow, that's... And mind you, that, he got traded to the New Jersey Nets. The New Jersey Nets, You know how Nets, cold yes. that is? You know how yeah. cold that is, dog? Hey, listen, that was some cold-blooded... I, I said, I feel you, Kev. Now, again, I wasn't around for all of the things that had transpired between... Yo, Darren, Kev, Jerry, I don't know. But that trade, the way it was executed and what was said to me after the trade about it was cold. Let me give you my second story. Let's do it. I'm in Cleveland. Um, I've been tasked a couple of times with talking to Deion Waiters about the situation that it's going to be, you know, Kyrie, Kevin Love and LeBron in the starting lineup. And there's not really any room for for Deion in, in the lineup, but. I, you know, I'm trying to convince Dion that this could be a really good thing for you. Like coming off the bench, all the shots you want in this Manu Ginobili, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams type of vibe. Let's just go eat right in a way that you wouldn't be able to with LeBron and Kevin Love and Kyrie. Like so you get be, this ring, you'd be a but you'd be a spot shooter. Let's say the ring doesn't entice you. Like the ring isn't enough um, for you. You're looking for personal because you're about to be a free agent. This is what's best. The ring just, and just FYI to people, the ring is not most important to a lot of NBA players. Just just so you, I'm sorry, fans. Just so I you mean, know. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't know that. But especially in a contract year when you haven't really hit a big one yet, right? Like you don't want to sacrifice completely your individual uh, goals for team goals. But that's why this is perfect. You could come off the bench, blank canvas to go hunt shots, do all of that, and and be an integral part of a team that, in theory, we think can win a championship. Not buying it. I've had this conversation multiple times with Dion. Dion, I'm like, yo, he is not buying that shit. Because he thinks he's better than everyone on the team. And I'm not going to lie. There'll be some nights where you'd be like, damn, Dion. I remember one time he played against the Warriors and he beat them by himself. This is not like your, this is not your father's Warriors. This is KD, Steph, Clay, Draymond, all in their primes. And he beat them by themselves. Yeah. When you watch practice sometimes with, with Kyrie, Kevin Love, and LeBron in them, he could, you could leave there a day or two and say, "Hey, he, he was the best player at the gym." Yes, just kind of a victim of his own talent in 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 that regard. But anyway, we're in Philadelphia. They're always so cold because it's the players' hometown, right? I know. So that's Philly cheese, bro. That is that is Dion's Dion town. Is Philly. Here's what makes it crazier: this particular night, LeBron is out and Kyrie is out. So not only is Philly Cheese at home, but he is going to get to shoot 
all of the shots. He's getting 40 tonight. He's going to he get 40. He's going to get 40 <laughs> at home with all of the crowds. And I've been working tickets for him and helping him do that all day. So I know he got like 20 to 30 people how coming you got to the game. How you, remember how you had to work tickets that day? How many tickets did you have to give for him that night? I don't remember, but it was a hefty. I mean, it was, it, it was upwards of 20 tickets. It was and that's like tickets. hella maneuvering. You got to like, yo, Bron, how, what's your tickets tonight, bro? Let me get oh, your it's tickets. a lot. It's Kyrie, a lot let me of get your tickets, on. bro. At PR guy, let me get your tickets. A so, lot of hustling to get those tickets or just straight card. You're going to buy the tickets if they're available. But but I digress. So I get a call probably around one in the afternoon. It's, it's David Griffin. He's like, you got a sec. I'm like, yeah. So he puts me on hold and then he pops back on the line and he's like, Hey, I have, you know, Trent Rand and Kobe Altman, um, Dan, um, Gilbert and whatever other partner was on the line. And I'm like, Oh shit. Oh what? shit. Okay. Did I fuck up? Like, what did I, did I do something wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, also like, let what? me not talk to Griff how I normally talk to Griff. Let me relax. And like, there's people on the phone here. Right. What is going and on? And what about what's up griff it's like oh okay hello griff how you doing what's yeah so they put me on the spot and i'm like what what did i hop into here so what had happened was they had a, a trade on the table for for jr smith um iman shumpert and was it lou admonson maybe lou admonson um in in exchange for Dion and whatever the pieces were and i'm like oh my god was it mozgov and that was just maybe a separate but it was deal. it was timothy it was timothy it was okay. mozgov yeah. Yeah, yeah and so i'm like okay well they're talking it out. I'm on the line. This is roughly a, a 40 minute conversation, 30 minute. And so I have time to digest it. And by the end of it, I'm like, okay, like I see this. Yeah. That I think these pieces are going to work. I, are I are they looking for your opinion? Are they asking you questions? Are they like, Hey, Roger, what you think? Like, what is a 40 minute trade call? Like, well, everyone is, everyone is taking a turn talking about the trade, what they, you know, like about it, what they might not like about it, reservations about it, um, how it could help, just opinions on it. And our the people that did a lot of the information gathering and and intel and stuff like that, you know, were for that staff was was, you know, Griff obviously was the guy. Kobe and Trent were both phenomenal at their job. That's why they're still doing it. And then I was there kind of as as a guy who had played, you know, understood team building and stuff like that, was around our team a lot, knew knew it as as well as anyone at the time because I was with it so much. And so what the owners would do would just be, you know, we give our thoughts on it. And if ownership, before they pulled a deal like this, they're bouncing questions back and forth off of you. Like, hey, but what if, what if that, you know, what if this happens? And do you think that works? And so we're just giving opinions, right? But the, the long and the short of it was, I'm like, look, I, I could see that. I would, I would co-sign on that. I think Shump is going to be great, JR too. And JR, the funny thing was, you know, I was like, look, JR, they really wanted Shump. Like Shump was the piece that everybody wanted. And look, rightfully so, Shump was great. But I remember telling him, like, I think Jr. is going to be the piece that's going to be like great. Now Jr. was had Wait, a lot. Can of I stuff go out on a limb on. really quickly? Can I go on yeah. a, go on a limb real quick? I think about this with Lamar, but I think about this with I would say this for more for Jr. Smith. I think in the right situation, if things hit differently, he could have been like an all time great. I really believe that, and that's not a. It's my if he had his if he wasn't focused on a lot of the BS and a lot of the shit. He would have been a multi-time all-star and we would have been talking to him in a different light because there'd be some times where he would do some shit on the floor and you're like, what the fuck? What like stars don't even do that, right? Oozing talent and athleticism, but not not yep. really at that point in his life, I think he would even admit not mentally wired the way you needed to sure. be to be what you're talking about, right? I've heard exactly. him talk about that. Like head kind of, you know, in a young man's place in a way that might prevent you from being consistent enough to do that, right? Also a way different infrastructure or lack of back when he was coming out of high school than we have in the league right now. 
Yeah. And so, you know, the questions were like, yo, can we absorb that? Like, is it going to be, you know, and I'm like, yo, he's going to be good. Like, I think we have the locker room that can incorporate him. He's going to be good. I've lost track of my thoughts again. I, this is now you, now you guys are experiencing my wife's world. So now let me get back to the story. I'm like the trade itself, please guys, if we're going to do it, get it done before three 30. It's probably what I say one, but probably more like 12. Like, so you got three and a half hours because at three 30, we're getting on buses to go to this arena. And uh, this is where the, the player comes out. Look guys that we don't want to do that. Let him know before we go, give his family time to not come to the game. Like there's a lot of moving pieces around this, not just ours. Let's get this shit wrapped up. Let's pull the trigger on the trade and let's get, let's get it moving. Got it. We'll do our best. So four o'clock comes. I haven't heard anything from anybody. I'm on, I'm on a bus going to the game. Game is about to start. Literally the anthems. It's the anthem. I get a phone call. Get Deion Waiters off the court. What? I'm like, what do you mean? Getting? I'm in the back. I'm not even out for the phone. I'm not out for the for the anthem. So I'm in the I'm in the locker room. I'm like, man, this is fucking crazy, man. It is anthem. I can't get him off the court. They're like, you have to get him off the court immediately, and you can't tell him where he's going. He's gonna be traded to Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, because he went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, I think, in that deal. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they were like, you can't tell him where he's going and get his ass off the court right now. I had to sprint through the, uh, I forget what the Philly arena was at Wells the time. Fargo scene. Wells, Wells Fargo. Fargo. Sprint through it. Now, by the time I get out there, I'm I'm mouthing at our our, our uh, strength and condition. Don't let Dion go. Don't give send Dion off. He can't tell what I'm saying. So as the anthem finishes, you know, the, the lines naturally kind of form for the introduction, sure. right? And we're going to be first because we're the, we're the visiting Visitor. team. And the lights is on for y'all. <laughs> like it's Dark. not even dark. Dion's name is about to get called by the time I get my hands on Dion. And I, I'm like, you can't go out. And he looked at me like, what? I was like, listen, bro, you, you can't go out. You're going to be traded. The look on, if he could have killed me with his eyes, I'd have been dead five times. He was like, what the fuck? And I felt terrible for him, man, because they, I, I can't remember if they called his name or not. They had to have, right? Because we couldn't have got to the scores table, but I was then dealing with him. And so I didn't hear it. So I got him back to the back of the locker room. And I'm like, hey, look, Dion, you got traded. I can't tell you where. I actually think it's going to be a good spot for you. This was about an hour that I couldn't tell this man where he was going, just that he was going to be traded. And he was sitting in the back of the locker room with his family out there wondering you know, what was going on. I'm sure he had communicated with them that he wasn't playing that night, but the house is packed to see him. And finally, I had to call them and say, hey, guys, listen, this is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. I'm not going to sit here and, t- and 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 just be staring at this dude in the face, man, knowing what this feels like. I need to, I got to be able to tell him. And and they were like, okay, you could tell him where you were going. So I told him he was going to Oklahoma. And that was my, those were my two was experiences. He, you know, it's funny. It's funny how like our world's kind of intertwined. The first one was like, you might've went to the club with my father when I was a child <laughs> with Iverson. Um, but <laughs> the, <laughs> the other one is like, so I was interning in SAC around that time. Mm-hmm. And his first game, Deion Waiters' first game, <laughs> in, uh, was in Sacramento. And I saw him in his first press conference as an Oklahoma City Thunder. Or like not even press conference, it was a scrum because it was during shoot-around. Right. Bro was pissed. pissed. He was pissed. Pissed. Like, I mean, it was a great situation. He also, like, it really helped him out because he played well in the postseason oh, that yeah. year. Like, he was really good. I meant it when I pissed. told him. I said, Deion, this is going to be, look, for what you want to do, this is going to be better. Yeah, like it was a better situation for him. He got a lot of shots. Like, 
you know, like it was a, a freer environment because Katie is and 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 Russ aren't as like as stringent as like LeBron is in that that system. So it was it was all good. Um, Tough yeah, side man. of the business though to watch that though. Like you, you know, like this is the part that the fans don't get to see when they're when they're it's just these moving pieces on a chessboard. And to some degree, like if I'm if I'm being completely honest, that's what I said to Kobe, Trent, and Griff, who had never really you know played in the NBA and. Just because you play a college sport or a high school sport, you know, you don't get traded in those. Like you won't have families in those. You haven't started businesses and just bought a new home in those. You're a kid. Like, do you right. know what I mean? So you go to a new team, it's a new team. But that's what gets kind of dicey around the trade deadline. Do you ever get annoyed when you hear people talking about the trade machine, Ranja? I used to be annoyed at all kinds of things in the front office. <laughs> I meant like fans talking about like, oh, this person, like, it's so easy to just play. Oh, yeah. Get his ass up out of here. Or like, we could get, no. we could trade such and such for this. I don't know. Cause fans, I mean, I get it, right? Like, that's what you do. That's why, you know, that's why the environments are so great that you play in. So I don't, I don't begrudge them that. I, I just found some things in the inner workings of a front office. Like I, I thought they lacked perspective for a better way to put it, you know, because mm. you, you didn't like you, you didn't do it. You don't know how that affects families. You know, my trade, I've said this before when I, my, the first time I was traded, the time you were talking about in, in, um, in LA, LA, I had one son that was 18 months. I had one that was probably two months old or no one that was, yeah. One that was a month old, one that was 18 months. I had just bought a brand new house and started a new business in, in Phoenix, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And so, you know, that's cool. That's part of it. But I, I don't, I get to go home. I have to be in Charlotte. The mandate was 48 hours. So I get to go home, kiss my sons and my wife, pack up everything that I think I'm going to need until I see them again. And I don't know when the fuck that's going to be and get to Charlotte and, and, you know, basically be like, Hey man, I love you guys. I'll see you. And you know, my wife's like, what? We had never experienced that. She was like, what the hell am I going to do? I'm like, I don't know, but I got to go or I don't get a check. Yeah. So, so I'll call your mom out or whoever. They'll come stay with you, but I got to go. I'm on my way to Charlotte. This is a wild business, dog. <laughs> it's a wild ass it's crazy. business, dude. It's crazy. Oh, man. Oh, all right. It's Thursday, so you know what it is. Time for Rowan of the Week. Mm. I'll go first, Roger. I'm going to go with, uh, I think, one of the few repeat real one of the weeks. Mr. Alonzo Carter, um, my uh, high school football coach. Oh, dope. Just got a job at... Uh, we just talked about this free pod, but he just got a job at the University of Arizona as a running backs coach and assistant head coach. Oh, that's tough. Um, and I, I just want to give him his flowers because, man, if you're from the Bay, you know Coach Zoe, the real Coach Carter. Um, and started out at McClyman's High School, who famous alums like MC Hammer um, and Bill Russell. Um, went there, uh, no resources, makes makes mcclyman's football into a powerhouse i don't just so many silver bowls which is the oakland athletic league title but got so many kids from west oakland and beyond into college with scholarships right and made mcclyman's just a hotbed for recruiting then goes to berkeley high where i follow him i'm supposed to go to mcclyman's went to berkeley high has success there um, all the while, you know, this high school coaches don't get paid nothing, especially mm-hmm. at public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to from Berkeley High to Contra Costa College to get his degree and certification so he could actually be a D1 coach. Um, so goes from Contra Costa College, has a great run, then goes to San Jose State where he's a running backs coach. 
And now he gets to go to Arizona to a real D1 program with real resources and really do his thing on a national scale. So shout out to Zoe, the real yeah. Coach Carter, Alonzo Carter, real one of the week. Congratulations, Coach Carter. That's dope. Let me see. There are a lot of candidates, man. I could go any any quarterback that's about to play in these divisional championships, like for various reasons, you know, I spent a, you know, it's a big part of my life now, but they all have great stories, right? Like Lamar, you know, having a chance to, <laughs> but ain't nobody want to sign Lamar Jackson, man. How's that, how's that even that possible? How's that, that even possible? Like, that how's crazy? that even possible, right? Um, Right? Let's talk about My third Brock eye Purdy. is open on that, by the way, Roger. My third you know, eye is open on that, on that, you know what I mean? I, I feel you. But even Brock Purdy, Mr. What, what do they call him? Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Relevant. The la- yeah, like, you know, the, having, to, having to do it late and, and being able to do that. Um, Pat Mahomes, obviously. And, and uh, was it Jared Goff? Jared Goff? Like, what a story, dude. Yeah. That's, so, that's so cool. Um, but I could go with any of them. I could go with Joel Embiid, 70 ball. Like, that's bananas. You got to pick one, though. It's a real the one of the week, it's, 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 it's none of them. Because my <laughs> real, real one of the week is seven-year-old Kaya Bell. Ah, ah, yeah. ah. Hey, hey, hey. We need yeah. a flex bombs. Edit that in post. She's my real one of the week. And the pride that is oozing from these pores, like, it's, I get, I'm really proud watching my boys, like, accomplished goals and play well and shit like that. It's all good. But this little girl wanted to learn how to ride a bike and we got her a two wheeler and training wheels were not on it. We took her out and I basically helped her for, I mean, roughly give or take two to three minutes. And after that, Kaya Bell was riding on two wheels, man. It was she the said, quickest. Get the any fuck of, off me, dad. Dog, she said, get was, the fuck off me, dad. I got this. It was the quickest any. I got some pretty athletic kids. It's the quickest that any of them have gotten that, dude. It was so cool. Wow. It happened It happened two days ago, man. So she's Did you shed any thug week. tears? Did you shed any thug tears nah, on the Nah, because I'm out of shape and I was too busy like trying to run behind the bike to make sure that she didn't have like a tragic crash at the end of it. So sure. no tears, but, but super winded. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Man. What an episode! This was good. This was uh, this was good. I, I'm really I'm really proud of us. It was, <laughs> it was fun episode. All right, <laughs> we'll see you guys on a uh, Monday. Make sure hey, Mondays, ruins mailbag at gmail.com. We will be answering your questions every Monday for the motherfucking mailbag with Howard Beck. So mm-hmm. the first one went really well. We got a lot of uh, MFs. Got a lot of swears in the questions. I didn't didn't feel like my performance was great. So for anyone that thought I was lacking, and if you ask questions and my answers weren't great, I apologize. I can admit that. I'll be better. (laughs) Okay. I just didn't think they were great. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't see anything different, but okay. All right. All right. Next Monday, we're, we're locked in. All right. See you guys Monday. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Must be 21 years and older and president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 
1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.